Before you listen to Paranormal Exist, the podcast show, I just want to announce the bone-chilling journey that awaits you on Charlie's Chills podcast, exclusively on YouTube, search at C-H-A-R-L-I-E-S-C-H-I-L-L-S. Subscribe, and embrace the darkness that awaits. Tsunami Kid, an experience from Sri Lanka. A group of friends and I, there were six of us, volunteered with the Red Cross to go to Sri Lanka to help for the tsunami relief. We had spent four months there, I experienced a lot of stuff there, but to keep this story short, I will concentrate on the part that affected me the most. Right after the tsunami hit, there were a lot of people who were displaced. Many people didn't know where they were, or who and how many people from their families died or survived. This was a couple of months after the tsunami hit. As volunteers, our jobs were to help the people back on their feet, by helping them build back their homes, schools, business, etc. And also tracking down any surviving family members, so that they can be brought together. Many volunteers who had medical or first aid training helped the doctors to take care of the sick and those were affected by the tsunami and survived. If there was a job to be done, you had the ability to do it, or learn it quickly, then you were expected to do it. Many times we were doing things that we wouldn't even think to do here. You can say that we gained a lot of employable skills in volunteering there that we might have never gained as quickly here. The volunteers were told to stay together, constantly, and never venture off alone. The reason is because of the civil war that was going on, and on top of that, there was a lot of looting going on, and our group leaders didn't want us getting lost, robbed or hurt. Each area we went to, if there weren't buildings to be slept in, we would sleep in tents. This event happened in the second month. My friends and I were given various jobs like building houses, cooking and feeding the villagers, and anything the doctors wanted us to do. While at this particular village, I became attached to this little girl. She was about 10 years old, and her name was Jennifer. When I met her, she had closed herself from the world. As a social worker, I had worked with kids like her, so I took it as a personal mission to help this child, to get back on her feet. When I met Jennifer, nobody knew her name, or anything about her. The only thing that the doctors knew was, she was weak from not eating for days. Actually they found her in a cow shed between two dead cows, and water in her lungs. As usual, the doctors were giving her treatments, like I mentioned before, I decided to take Jennifer on as a special case. Ever so slowly, I was able to coax her name out of her, and she grew to trust me. I found out her name was Jennifer, and that her father was a church minister, her mother was a homemaker, who took care of the cows, chickens, and goats on their small farm. She had two older brothers and one younger sister about two years old. According to Jennifer, the family had two motorbikes, one belongs to her father and another to her eldest brother. When the tsunami hit, 
Her father and her two brothers left at the same time to go to church and college, respectively, on their bikes. Jennifer wasn't feeling well that day, so she was at home playing with her little sister, while her mother was feeding the chickens. Jennifer said that about a minute before the water hit, she heard a really loud roaring sound, like thunder hitting the ground, then in a blink of an eye, water surrounded her and she lost track of her little sister. The next thing she knew, she was in the cow shed and she started crying for a long time, before people came to get her. With the information provided by Jennifer, my friends, and I started searching for her family, the Red Cross told us that there was a bleak chance of finding her family, and the chances of finding them alive was even rarer and that they were probably put in a massive grave somewhere. My friends and I knew that, but we told them that at least we check it out to see what happened, so that we can bring some closure to Jennifer, who was having night terrors about her not being able to save her family. As Red Cross said, we never did find the bodies of Jennifer's family. According to people at the church where Jennifer's father was a minister, he never made it to the church. As for the motorbike, it was never found. And the same thing with her brothers. Two of my friends actually made the trip to the local college to find out. But it was so difficult to find out who actually made it to class. But from the records of students that survived the tsunami were gathered, her brothers were not on the list, and they were never found. Her mother and little sister were a lost cause, we actually search in, and around the house in the last hopes of finding them, because Jennifer was found in the cow shed, but nothing. Anyways, my friends and I returned to base camp, with heavy hearts, not being able to help Jennifer. When we returned, a church sister informed me that Jennifer got sick with a fever and was at the makeshift hospital. I rushed over to check on her, and when I got there, she somehow knew that we didn't find her family and started crying, and the doctors had to sedate her. After a few days, she was feeling better and started taking walks outside of the hospital and came to hang out with my friends and me. One particular night, a group of displaced people and volunteers gathered together after dinner and start talking, telling stories, and singing. Jennifer had come and she sat on my lap. About half an hour, Jennifer's head started drooping and I thought she was going to fall asleep. So, I turned her so that her head could rest on my shoulders. Just then, Jennifer started convulsing and it scared me really badly. I screamed at the doctors to help and we were able to bring her to the hospital for treatment. Since one of my friends was a trained nurse, she was able to go in with the doctors to help, but it was too late. Apparently, Jennifer had a seizure because she had a hole in the heart, and since she was already weak from the recent fever attack and the water in the lungs, her body couldn't take on the recent seizure. Apparently, Jennifer had the hole in heart, since she was little, without her parents or relatives to tell the doctors about it. They didn't know. Anyways, we had a small funeral for Jennifer and we had her buried. At the funeral and afterwards, I had the feeling of being watched. At first, I thought that since I was surrounded by people working, I was getting that feeling, but there was always people around and I didn't feel like that before then. 
I told my friends what was happening and they told me that it was probably my grief for Jennifer and how I couldn't help her fully was making me feel like that and that I should give myself a break because I really tried my best to help her. Mentally, I accepted what they were saying, but my heart was still in pain because I set out to help a kid and I couldn't fully help her. That is something that will stick with me for a long time. As a social worker, more than the successes you have had, the failures are the ones that hit home the most. And this one certainly did it for me, even though mentally. I knew I was dealing with some impossible tasks. About a week of feeling like someone was watching me, and a presence walking around with me, I had this dream with Jennifer, standing beside my cot. She was surrounded by a group of people, who I took to be her family, and she was really happy. Jennifer bent down, and put a hand on my heart and told me to be at peace with myself, because I did more than anyone did in a long time, and now she was extremely happy, because she wasn't in pain anymore and she was surrounded by her family. In the dream, her family also thanked me for taking care of Jennifer when they couldn't and now they were a family again. After that, they just simply walked away. Then I woke with a start, like someone dropped something on my stomach. You know how when something or someone touches you, and then they let go and there is an imprint left behind for a few seconds, that is. That is what I felt in the area where Jennifer placed her hand in my dream, but after I woke up. The weird thing was all five of my friends had the same dream as I did at the same time. They were all freaked out when I told them about the dream because they all realized what just happened. Although, it still hurts to think about it, I have come to peace with myself that I can't save the world and the people like Jennifer will be okay wherever they are. Dive into the chilling abyss of real-life hauntings on Charlie's Chills podcast exclusively on YouTube. Join us for eerie tales from the internet and our listeners. Search in YouTube for, at C-H-A-R-L-I-E-S-C-H-I-L-L-S, I repeat, at C-H-A-R-L-I-E-S-C-H-I-L-L-S, subscribe and embrace the darkness that awaits.